Hey y'all, before we begin, I want to make sure you know about my live parent workshops. One Friday a month, I host a live virtual parent workshop on topics related to raising neurodivergent kids and teens. We cover topics like how to talk to your child about their diagnosis, how to support negative self-talk, and navigating school for your child. You can register for workshops one at a time, or you can become an all-access subscriber on Substack for instant access to all the workshops and replays. To browse the workshop library and subscribe, go to learnwithdremily.substack.com and click Parent Workshops. Hey y'all, before we begin, if you're a school administrator who loves watching your teachers and students thrive, but you feel your staff needs more training to meet the needs of such a diverse group of learners, I am here for you. I am now offering professional development for pre-K through 8th grade educators, both in-person and virtually. For more information about pricing and scheduling, go to learnwithdremily.com schools to get started. Welcome to Learn with Dr. Emily, the podcast where parents and teachers come together for neurodivergent youth. I'm your host, Dr. Emily King, child psychologist and former school psychologist, and I am on a mission to help everyone understand that nurturing neurodivergent children isn't about changing them, but about changing us. Each week, I share my thoughts on topics related to child development, mental health, parenting, education, and parent-teacher collaboration. You can read more on my Substack at learnwithdremily.substack.com or listen here. So let's get started with today's topic. Hey y'all, in today's podcast, we're going to be talking about nurturing the independence of neurodivergent teens. I've talked about independence in another podcast of younger children, which is very focused around executive functioning and when to step back. This podcast is going to be talking through some of the things that come up when kids start to hit those teenage years and how our culture has some pretty arbitrary numbers surrounding ages like 16, 18, 21. And I want us to think about our kids' skills and not necessarily our kids' chronological age. So let's dive in and keep those things in mind as I walk us through this. So as parents, we are all working towards the same goals. We want to raise a human that is independent and kind. Many of us start with goals like successful and happy, but because these are such relative terms, I find it more helpful to define goals within the framework of independence which is really my definition for success anyway. I also don't think I know any kind people who aren't also generally happy people, so that brings us back to the goals of raising independent and kind humans. But what happens when your child is growing up with skill weaknesses and mood dysregulation that makes them struggle with independent tasks and sometimes presents with some very unkind behaviors? I've lived this parenting experience myself, and I've counseled many families along this anxiety-provoking path. Parents raising neurodivergent teens ask themselves, is my child ever going to drive? Will they ever be able to go to college? Will they be able to have a job? Will they be able to keep a job? Will my child be able to live on their own? Will they have friends? And the list goes on. So let's first start with why chronological ages for many of our teens are pretty arbitrary. One of the ways we feel alone as parents raising neurodivergent kids is when their milestones are misaligned with those around them. I find this to be the most true when children are first entering kindergarten. So think back to that age, parents of teens, 
generally speaking, before school age, young children are not so independent, like especially infants and toddlers. They all just need a lot of help. Parents of infants and toddlers feel like they're all in the same boat of having to support the feeding, sleeping, and toileting of their kids. Around age three, we start to notice some differences in communication and emotional regulation. And then around age five, we start to notice, is my child ready to go to school and learn in a group? So once a child begins school, it becomes more obvious if our child is not getting out of the car is attending lots of therapies instead of soccer practice when people ask us about that, or if they're having meltdowns at school. So you likely have some feelings about this, and you likely remember when your child was younger having some feelings about this. Some of your feelings have to do with worrying for your child, but some of your feelings will be just a part of your journey of acceptance as you learn to become the parent your child needs you to be. As you know, I'm on this journey myself right along with you, and I know it's hard to listen to other parents when you're in these social circles, especially at school or at church or any other kind of general social situations that you're in. Sometimes you'll hear other parents complain about things that you would not even identify as a problem. I'll never forget one time I was on a field trip with my neurodivergent kindergartner many years ago. And I was listening to a parent complain about how their child was not in the same class as their best friend. And I'm, of course, all for children needing to be with their friends. But in that moment, all I could think about was how much I just wished my son had a friend. It was a lonely feeling. This is the main reason it's important for parents raising neurodivergent children and teens to find their people. And I hope that my community on Substack is helping you feel that way. And I hope that you feel that way when you listen to this podcast. Okay, so let's talk about what I like to think of as the advocacy handoff. So when we're talking about our neurodivergent teens, we need to think about all the things we've mastered, and then we've got to teach them how to do some of these things too. So at some point along the school age path, many parents master all the things, attending IEP meetings, scheduling therapies, embracing their child's strengths, planning support for their child's needs, talking to their child about their brain, and helping their village better understand their child. And just when a parent feels like they've mastered these parenting milestones, we begin to realize that we now have to teach our child how to manage many of these things. We work so hard to help our children be successful in school, and we sometimes miss that we also have to work on helping them be successful and independent in life. All that advocacy we've done, we now have to teach our child how to do it too. So part of teaching our teens independence is helping them know what they can do on their own, what they need help with, knowing who to ask for help, and then being able to ask for it. And all of that takes practice. So somewhere around ninth grade or around age 15, thinking about your child's independence emerges into the spotlight again. You may not have thought about it a whole lot till they, since they started school. Teachers and administrators start talking about graduation requirements, driver's education, and planning for the future. Your child may or may not be on the chronological path of these arbitrary timeframes of what our culture tells them they are allowed to do at ages 16, 18, and 21. I'm here to tell you that that is okay. 
Just like I tell all parents to stop looking at that chronological milestone chart the pediatrician gives you, stop paying attention to when our society tells kids they are allowed to do stuff. Being allowed to do it is not the same as being able to do it. This is what I call how old you are versus how ready you are. Okay, so just because your teen is 16 does not mean they're ready to drive. Just because they're 18 does not mean they're ready to live on their own. And just because your child's turned 21 does not mean they're ready to handle buying alcohol. These are arbitrary numbers determined by state and federal governments, and they're not rooted in brain science. What we do know, what is rooted in brain science, is that our frontal lobe doesn't fully develop until we're 25, and that's where we make all of our decisions and our impulse control lives there. So just like you decided when your child was ready to begin kindergarten, I find it helpful to focus on when your teen is ready to do an independent skill. And that's why I call this how old you are versus how ready you are. I wanna say hi to all the teachers out there learning with me. Thank you so much for being an educator. I see you and appreciate you and how you keep showing up for our students every single day. In my work as a school psychologist, I know that it helps to have a way to stay organized when thinking about your students' needs. That's why I created two free resources for you. The Regulation Roster helps you notice how your students seek emotional regulation and keep track of it. And the Reframing Behavior Worksheet helps you problem solve emotional dysregulation when it happens. For these free downloads, go to learnwithdremily.com slash roster or learnwithdremily.com slash reframing behavior to get started. I want to welcome any parents who are new to this journey. If your child has just been identified as autistic or diagnosed with ADHD, learning differences, or is twice exceptional, welcome. You are in the right place. You may also be overwhelmed by all the calls and emails you're having to make to providers as you're building your child's team. That's why I created the Referral Tracker, which is a free download at learnwithdremily.com tracker. This free resource explains what each provider does and gives you a template to keep track of all your research. Just go to learnwithdremily.com slash tracker to get started. So when talking to teens about their independence, I've noticed that some teens want to drive or go to college alongside their same age peers simply because this is the message that they are receiving from culture, from school, from media, Even if we are talking to them about a flexible path, they'll start asking questions or getting anxious about, do I have to move out when I'm 18? We need to help our children understand that their skills and the support they need to become independent is unique to them and that the time frame is flexible. We want to still have goals for them and still have expectations, but we want to lower anxiety and find the balance between overwhelming them but also motivating them for independence. I've also noticed that sometimes teens are actually ready for more independence, but their parents are anxious about stepping back because they fear a regression or a failure in their child. So how do we know when to step back? Here is my priority list of independent tasks to encourage with your teens. If we have expectations that are too high, nothing usually gets achieved because we're overwhelmed. So let's go one step at a time with this. I like to think about independent skills, building on each other from the inside out. So let's start with what your child is ready to do right now independently. And if you're not sure, 
Ask their teacher, a tutor, or a therapist what they have seen them do independently so you know when you can step back too. Your child is going to fail at stuff. They're going to need coaching. You will have to explicitly teach your child things that you feel are intuitive to other teens. Keep going. Your teen wants to be independent. So I want you to start in this order. First, teens need to learn to take care of their body, then their things, then their space, and then others. And what this looks like is number one, taking care of their body is hygiene tasks. Number two, taking care of their belongings is keeping up with their things and keeping their own space clean. Number three, taking care of a shared space, helping with cleaning and organization of a home or a classroom. And number four, taking care of other people, noticing how they impact those around them. At each level of these skills, it gets more complex, more social, more nuanced, more complicated in the expectations. So it makes sense that if a child is struggling to take care of the people around them or to take care of their shared space, we might want to reduce the expectations until they master taking care of themselves and their belongings. So sometimes neurodivergent teens are not motivated to please others socially. They often live in the moment and may not be thinking about what others think of them in regards to their appearance. It can be helpful to start with what motivates your teen. Some are motivated to be clean because their skin feels less itchy when they're clean, not because they smell better. Some are motivated to have clean clothes because their clothes feel better rather than focusing on looking better. Some teens are motivated by having a clean space, not because you ask them to clean the space, but because it's satisfying to be able to find their things. So if you've figured out what motivates your teen, I want you to head over to my Substack and leave a comment because that's where the discussion thread will be for this blog and podcast. Sometimes neurodivergent teens are not able to come up with solutions to organizational problems on their own due to weak executive functioning skills. However, some teens are very good at routines once you teach them a plan and a system. They can execute that plan independently. Teens want autonomy. Many neurodivergent teens just don't know how to get there. So during these years, I encourage parents to think of themselves as a consultant or coach. You are no longer doing things for your child. They are, but they may not do it well yet, but they won't get there without lots of practice. So we want to teach them to come ask you so you can explain it or show them and coach them along the way. So start with what motivates your teen. What skills do they already have? What can they do independently, especially if you teach them a system for it? What do they want to be able to do without your help? Remember, you are their life coach. You help solve problems by explaining or showing what to do, not by doing it for them. Once you believe your child is capable of doing something on their own, trust in their skills and let the practicing begin. Okay, y'all, head on over to Substack and the leave a comment thread. Tell me your ideas on what you have figured out as a way to motivate your teen or your younger child um, so we can all share ideas and help each other along the way. See you next time. This has been Learn with Dr. Emily at the podcast. For more resources, including both parent, teacher, and school resources, visit learnwithdremily.com 
or read my Substack at learnwithdremily.substack.com. Also, we are publishing this podcast weekly, so make sure you're subscribed by pressing the plus, follow, or subscribe button on whatever podcast app you're using right now. This podcast is edited by EarFluence. All information discussed on this podcast is for educational purposes only. If you have immediate concerns about your child, please reach out to a mental health or medical professional. I'm Dr. Emily King, and we will keep learning together next week.